What up, everyone? My name is Nachum Russell, or Russ, because that's a whole lot easier. And this is Evan Doggett of Doggett Style Dog Training. Welcome. I appreciate you coming on. Um, introduce yourself. I feel like it would, I feel it would be nice if we had that. I was jamming to that beat just to, just a second ago. It should just be playing the whole, you know, however long we end up chatting. Just let it keep uh, going in the background. Just right? let it ride. Just let it yeah. ride. And I, I got it. I got to get out the hard way that if you are listening to Spotify and then go live on Facebook, that it's like blaringly loud <laughs> for the audience when they when when they do it because I like live with these AirPods in and uh, I like went live and and <laughs> several people were like I'm at work I'll always have my speakers turned off now you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah I was I was talking to a friend that I was like I got to get some theme music for this so that it can be like my own thing rather than like the yeah. whatever this program throws in together with it yeah so it's, it's great introduce yourself real quick tell everyone who you are what you do all of that for people who don't know who you are the, the two yeah people. cool uh my name's evan doggett i'm a professional mustache model um people fly me around the world to uh you know put on um, exhibits and <laughs> no my real last name is doggett uh, i'm a dog trainer in nova scotia canada I guess I'm a dog trainer everywhere now that I do so much online. I mean, I've really, the whole business has pivoted to, to online, which is great. I still meet up with people here and there, but uh, yeah, train dogs, help people learn about their dogs, have better relationship with their dogs, basically anything, anything to do with a dog. Um, I either have been involved with it or I'm currently doing it and uh excited about uh, this whole new dog it style branding thing. I was with, um, I did a, like I said, a bunch of different things before between dog walking and doggy daycare, uh, grooming. I did uh, gun dog training. Honestly, you name, you name it. I've uh, I've done a, a lot of different things around dog, just testing the waters. I'm a super, as everyone will learn very quickly, a very ADD personality. And so, you know, I get bored with things. So I'm like, I want I want to learn a little bit about everything. You know, I want to have fun with everything. And that's my whole shtick is as long as I'm having fun, as long as my clients are having fun, giddy up. Yeah, that's what I that when I first found you online, that's what I was drawn to you about was that your content stands out because it's it's fun. It's not the same boring like here's how you get your dog to go to place and everyone doing right. the same thing. It stands out. It's different. It's fun. And it's like it's you. You shine through more than anything. <laughs> else. And I think that's really cool. It's it's different. Most people don't have a way of putting themselves into their content that it's actually theirs. I think that's really cool that you've done that in a real way. Um, I think for the trainers listening mm -hmm. and, and, and striving to figure out who they are and who they want to be online, it's like, mm -hmm. just shoot a lot of video, just do a lot of video. A lot of people talk. Remember, I remember being at the IECP conference a couple of years ago and people are like, I don't know how you do it. Like I pull out my phone and I'm just like, I get all freaked out and I don't have the right gear and whatever. I'm like, don't post it. Don't like, I would literally, I remember I used to, I'd, I'd have a whiteboard in my, in my training facility, which was like a garage. Uh, and I would just literally just like make a line, just, you know, ticking off those lines for every take that I would do before I posted something. It'd be like 30, 40 takes, you know, like just trying to get it perfect. I'd write out scripts. And then one day I just went, fuck it. 
hey bonjour and i just started came out with yeah. bonjour everybody and and yeah. uh but it but it's it it took those takes there's literally on the facebook page i i don't the last time i looked it was like 2500 and that was maybe you know a year ago videos just talk to the camera and um i think that's what people are after right is like if they get to know you you know they want their dog trained but they want a relationship at the same time which yeah. is important the only way to really stand out in this industry because this is this industry's like saturated there's so many trainers and the only way to really stand out is to put yourself in it and that's really what makes you different like yeah you can have your own training approach and everybody does things slightly different but there's only so many ways to train a dog when it comes down to it yeah. and what what really differentiates it is that it's you doing it and that you're putting yourself into it like when i got into this i've spoken about this on here so many times so people are probably annoyed that i'm going to say it again but like i started the way that i started my social media presence was by 60 second videos every single day nice and, and i started the same thing as you i would if, if you would have seen my phone you would have seen a hundred takes of 10 <laughs> seconds of me just trying to like look at the camera and actually be myself for a second and i was totally faking being myself but eventually yeah. it grew into like this now yeah. i can do this and feel comfortable on camera and it makes it it makes it real it makes it something that people can connect with when i go to a client's house it's like they know me now they don't just know what yeah. i do they know me that's important yeah. Yeah, it makes the sell a lot easier because people need to to trust you. You know, they're gonna bring you into their home. They're gonna trust you with a family member. You know, these 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 dogs are family. There's uh, got Pipa, our little new rescue dog from Costa Rica. Pipa, <laughs> say hola. And then Vega. There's no way she's lifting her head. You wouldn't be able to see her anyway. Um, but yeah, it's uh, they're family members. You know, they're not. Uh, they're not just the, like no you never get a call from the person that that changed their dog outside 24 hours a day like that you're right. not you know you're not getting you typically not getting a call unless it's from the SBCA or something so yeah it's um it's important to to share who you are and to, and to be who you are and if that's someone that's just a straight edge you know um person or someone <laughs> wacky like me um it, it grow into it that's you know if someone's asking yeah. for advice which there you go i i used to listen to a shit ton of gary v when yeah I was first getting into all this and he always says like to be yourself right but i remember one time i think it was like a a piece from one of his keynotes and it just stuck really well be, people were asking him like what does this mean be yourself what is it he's like be yourself like yourself don't be yourself like gary v that's not gonna work you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And, and it's it's an important thing though because you can tell someone like be yourself and they're like they're gonna start ending every video with like like what what do you say know that you're loved meow whatever your fucking thing yeah. is <laughs> right <laughs> and it's not gonna work it's not gonna it's right. not gonna be real the whole key is to to truly connect with you and that's that's the hard part about it too I think it's a fascinating thing how hard it is to be yourself even though it's the most natural thing technically but it's an interesting idea. Well, it's it's a really vulnerable thing, right? I mean, you're trying to like I like I talk about like my struggle with drug addiction, with alcohol, um, which was a plunge for me because like I don't want people to know that, but at the same time, I'm like, I want people to know that because there's someone else out there being like smoking a joint, being like, this is normal, I should do this, 
knowing that it makes you feel like shit. You know, for some people, it's great. It, it works and whatever. You know, I'm Canadian. I've been smoking a lot of weed since I was a, since I was young. Um, and my dad was a cop, like, of course, obviously, right? I mean, every yeah. every son of a cop is, you know, a, a side, has a little side hustle beside the lawn grow, the lawn cutting and growing business. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, for me, it's like, it's my truth, you know? And, um, and I know that it could, could help somebody. So I have, I have people reach out that are like, Hey, I relate to that. And I have a problem with the dog. Yeah. You know? No, and, it, yeah. and that's not why I do it. It's just, it helps to, it helps to be yourself as opposed to if you're, if it's never on selfie mode and you're always just taking pictures and videos of the dogs, that's great. But the person's not hiring the dog you're looking at. The person is hiring you. Yeah. Hopefully. Yep. Hopefully. Yeah. So it starts a conversation. It's for me, it's been the most, like for me, it's been one of the greatest parts personally besides for like the dog training side of it, but of this journey that I've gone into of putting myself on social media and being very open and building a business really all through social media, because like it's the way that I've, all my clients have found me. And the, the part that's affected me the most though, is that aspect of it, like in a personal way, in a personal journey side of it, of being comfortable with being my, being much more comfortable with being myself than I was before, you know? And more confident in myself i think it's a very powerful thing the the idea of putting videos out there besides that it's like great for marketing but what yeah. it can do for you as a person is super powerful like just to become comfortable with who you are i mean i used to hate my voice i hated i hated it hated it now it's like i like being on camera it's a, it's a very fascinating thing to me of what it can do for a person's confidence and and then think about like why do i hate it like why do i not like my voice why do i not like being on camera what's going on there you know that's funny because because i was uh, i was listening to one of your podcasts today actually and i was like he's got a great voice you know so <laughs> it's it's funny what we we hate about ourselves yeah um, you know i hate my devilish good looks like i hate it i wake up every morning i'm like <laughs> Fuck, you're handsome. It, what a terrible, terrible. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's one of those things where you have to work through those things, right? You have to work through those things, yeah. and then equally being, um, also being okay with not always being on. Like for me, I try to entertain as much as I educate, and I've been criticized about that. And I'm like, there goes somewhere else because this is in part for me, but also when some people show up to the facility and they're like. Hey, yeah. like oh, we're not. It's not a party day today. We're not. We're not partying. Um, and uh, yeah, it's you know, it's just it's just a journey learning who you are and who you want to be on social. But equally, that it's you know, uh, if you are a, a busy person, it doesn't always have to be. It doesn't always have to be a party, right? Yeah, there's but, different aspects. But if you can have fun and be true, it's you know, be honest. It it makes it easier when you're dealing with the people. Yeah. Absolutely. So how and why are you a dog trainer? Like, how did you become a dog trainer? Why are you a dog trainer? Well, when your last name is Doggett, your parents <laughs> force you at an early age to sign a blood oath that you will be a trainer. Um, you know, my parents, it was the opposite, really. They were like, don't do that. My plan, my dad was a Mountie, RCMP. It's like the our national police. If you ever mm -hmm. saw the stereotypical image of the the guy in the red jacket riding a horse, that's 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 our police force. There's less horse riding uh, these days. They they do use cars, but um, 
my dad was a cop and he was a Mountie. And so the, the, the plan was always to follow in his footsteps. Like the first time I saw a canine unit, I was probably, I don't know, like eight, seven or eight. And I was like that, I want to do that. And, uh, and as I grew older and, and discovered um, drugs and partying, I was like, nah, let's <laughs> not, let's not. And um, finished high school. And my parents were like, well, you can't live here. You don't have good enough grades for university. We're not just throwing away money. So figure it out. So I went to Europe uh, for a year. I worked a bunch of jobs at, during high school and, and all of that. Um, went to Europe, traveled, went to Africa, went to South America and uh, taught English as a second language. And one day, three years into it, my, I was living in Bogota, Colombia, and my parents called me and they said, Evan, congratulations. You got into St. Evex University. And I said, that's weird. I didn't apply. And they said, we have for you. Get the fuck home. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, when you're when you're a cop and your kid's living in Colombia, um, it's, uh, yeah, it uh, the, the urgency. I get it now as a dad. I'm a dad of two, two little tornado boys now. And uh, I get it, you know, like the, the unknown. Um, but, yeah, it, I came back. I went to university. And then. Prior, like when I was in Colombia, everywhere I'd been, I've always been around dogs, always loved dogs, but I, I kind of gave up on the dream of being a trainer um, because I didn't think of trainer as a trainer. I only ever thought of it as it was like RCMP or nothing, you know, like police canine unit or nothing. And so the the journey of university, um, you know, is, is one of partying typically. And I wanted something I was, I did an exchange in Argentina and I came back and I was like, I need something to be my rock. I need something to put all of this craziness into. And I, I went to the SPCA when I flew back um, into Montreal and I picked up a dog and he uh, will forever live on uh, in our logo. It was Rush. And he was such, he was such a bad dog. <laughs> um, reactive to people cat aggressive not like he was great with dogs but you know he definitely got into quite a few fights as well just doing things like going to the dog park and not knowing you know just cutting them loose and being like oh the dogs are great um and and then so i came back to and finished university with him and started working at the local doggy daycare started volunteering um grooming and all this stuff and one day this lady came into the grooming facility and was like Oh my God, Caesar Milan has a course now. I keep applying, but they keep denying me because she was a little bit. Uh, and I applied and got in, and you know it was like a ten thousand dollar ticket basically between the flight and and all of that stuff. So um, I quit drinking for the rest of university. Mission accomplished. Nice. <laughs> took all that money, took my student loan money, borrowed money from my then girlfriend's mom because uh, my parents were like, "How much California? You're supposed to be in university right now." flew out, did that. And that was just the affirmation. You know, this is what I want to do. Because when I got there, I was like, you know, I had already binge watched every season of season one. When I got the dog, it was like, well, what are you supposed to feed a dog? Well, what are you supposed to do this? So I was spending as much time learning about dogs as I was on my, you know, university degree, which was not in dog training. And so, yeah, I went out to Caesars and got to meet a bunch of other trainers and it, it, it just kind of opened my eyes to like, oh my God, there's other trainers that do things other ways and whatever and finish university. And that was the beginning. That was the beginning. Yeah. How long did you actually train with Caesar or you just went for one of his training programs? 
Yeah, I just went for the training Caesars way week long debauchery. Gotcha. What is yeah. what is that like? I'm curious about it. It was it was really good. Like for someone super green, um, it gives you, you know, a lot of it was the the experience. You know, being being in California with Caesar Milan and being on the property and and learning about you know pack dynamics and things like that. It's it's funny because I try to reflect on that because I get asked that question a lot, and I'm like, I don't know that I learned anything. You know, like I definitely learn, I absorbed things, but there's nothing that Caesar Milan does that I'm like, I do that. You know, yeah. like nothing, like. I, on a daily basis, tell people not to pin their dogs, you know, like don't, you don't need to go right. and poke your dogs. Like anything you've seen on the show, don't, don't do that shit. You're going to get bit. Um, and, and so, but it was the experience. It was like, it was that, it was that jumping off point, but I had this really cool moment with Caesar um, where they were going to do pack walks every morning. They did pack walks, but I'm like, you know, it, it's, that's something that I did to help pay to get here. I'm just going to hang out with my dog and, and, and play fetch. And it's actually my, uh, my Gmail account picture. I'm kind of, I'm looking at it right now, which is kind of cool because Rush, Rush has passed recently. Um, he died a couple of months ago of, uh, like two months ago of, of cancer. Um, but the, it's a picture of me throwing the stick for Rush with this like sunrise coming up in California. And, and that morning I was like, okay, I finished playing fetch. And uh, I'm coming up the hill and Caesar Malone's coming down the hill. And we met in the middle. He had his pack of dogs, Russian Jr. started playing together and we started talking. And I was like, hey, can you teach me? Can I, can I hang out with you? And we were speaking in Spanish because I was living in Colombia prior to that. Right. So I spoke, spoke some Spanish and I was in Argentina and all that. So, so we're speaking Spanish and he's like, yeah, okay, whatever. You can hang out with me. And he was kind of off. Um, but it was funny. He was one way with, I hung out with all the Spanish speaking okay. people that week, like everyone from Spain and Mexico and, and all of that. Cause <laughs> that's the fun crowd. And he would be like Caesar, like him, his authentic self with the Spanish speaking people. And then it was like white crowd Caesar, you know, like he, those uh, were his all people. Polite. Yeah. Right. Those are his people. Like you can, you know, you can feel more authentic with, yeah. with your people and you're speaking your native language and all that. So like the jokes translate and all that, but, um, so it was like celebrity Caesar, but I got to see the, the, you know, the authentic side of it, which was pretty cool. But so we go in to like where he's feeding the llamas and I was like, this is my moment, Evan, you know, don't screw it up. Don't screw it up. You're with Caesar Milan alone. Like, you know, ready to snip a lock of his hair, but <laughs> he didn't have very, he didn't have very much. So, um, so I was like, can you teach me something? And he's like, what do you want to know? And I was like, you know, anything, like whatever you want to teach me. And he's like, no, 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 like, get it. You know, like he's just like, boom, right, you know, right, right into it. Super Mexican, just like really direct, like, no, D-Man, you know, like what, what is it? And I was like, um, can you tell me about a mistake you've made in your personal and business life so that I don't have to make it myself? The, the biggest mistakes you've made. That's a good And question. he's just, he, he just looks at me and it came out of nowhere and he just looks at me and goes, you know, just like a oh, fucking Spanish. And, and it turns out that that day was the, the first day he was going to see his oldest son for the first time in five years. So he, we had this real like paternal moment with me drawing in the sand and, and his advice was his business advice was never take anybody for their word. 
always sign a contract and make sure that contract is legit because the world knows him as as and this is not breaking news um but the world knows him as the dog whisperer but he doesn't right. own that title national geographic owns that title all the see you know caesar milan dog whisperer yeah. brushes and kennels and t-shirts and hats and all that merch he doesn't he never made a cent a, a, a cent off of it a cent um and so and then his his personal life advice was you know in your bubble you're gonna have naysayers and you're going to have yes people and you don't want yes people that are just false yes people but you want people to encourage you and he said the number one person in my life the person i put the closest was my biggest naysayer you know that person was always saying no it's not going to work don't do that you know why try don't dream basically uh and he said you know it's a really hard thing to live with when you're living with someone that's just going no 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 nothing's going to work and yeah, that was his two biggest pieces of advice. And it served me very, very well all of yeah. these years. I you feel know? Like, like I feel like that moment was probably like the most that anybody's really uh, gotten from something like that because you were able to connect with him on an actual on a real personal level, not just like meeting the celebrity Caesar, but actually like you got something real out of him that's very different. Yeah. Like, obviously, I was obsessed with Caesar too. Anybody who says they weren't who trains dogs is just lying. I don't believe it. <laughs> but but yeah. I think that that what I connected with a lot when I would watch him was his pack work because that was a big part of how I learned about dogs was <clears throat> when I was at the daycare I used to work at was through the dogs. I didn't learn from anybody in the beginning. I didn't even know that dog training was an industry when I started working with dogs. Like, I didn't know this was a yeah. thing. So. Yeah. So is the I dog. think that's what I got when I when I got to California. I was like, you know, um, I remember me. I hung out a lot with you know Byron Flores. Anyway, he's in he's in Jersey. I think he's you know he's not a he's not a he doesn't have a big facility or anything. Uh, but anyway, Byron, we we hung out, and I was like, well, you actually like do you actually like train dogs? Like, oh, that, you know, and there was someone else there that was clearly just from the purely positive, just to be like, are you secretly beating dogs? You know? And I was like, oh, what's, what's clicker training? No, nothing, like nothing. There was a guy from Toronto that was working with Karen Pryor. Um, and he was definitely there just, just, to, you know, find out the, the inner secrets or whatever. But um yeah it was it just it i was like oh my god things are things are not just caesar milan you know yeah. there's a lot of um there's a lot of people doing a lot of different things and um i get to meet so sherry and sherry uh lucas and brian agnew were there and i i spent um enough time talking to brian to learn about nutrition who put me in the direction of wendy volhard and through wendy i met Teresa richmond and um, and, uh, you know, Krista Myers and a bunch of other amazing people. And Krista introduced me to Jason Vascone, Vascone, Vas Vascone, um, Jason. <laughs> uh, and it, yeah, it was just like, oh my God, there's so many different, so many different people and trainers and whatever. And, um, I came back, finished university, went into British Columbia, trained hunting dogs for almost a year, learned what I don't want to do, how I don't want to train dogs. We'll leave it at that. Um, just the re just just the really old school side of training and i was like no move back to british columbia which is the opposite side of the country 
drove back with my boy Rush, started my own thing, and then joined Unleashed Potential, which was a blessing. Got to work with Duke for, for five years, um, Duke Ferguson, and Ted Athemiatis, who I went to um, Australia with last year. And yeah, I've just been you know fortunate to meet the Can you say the Ted's last name? Athemiatis. <laughs> I wish I can say that. Yeah, <laughs> I always feel so uh, bad when I can't pronounce people's names when I have a name that nobody can say. <laughs> I'm like, I should be the one. Knockem is not that hard. Knockem, right? Do a ha. Nope. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it looks like it's not so hard, but then when you no, hear it, huh. all right, I'm, I give up. That's yeah. why I'm Rust, because that's easy. Yeah. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I became Russ when I started working with dogs when I realized that nobody in the world can actually say my name. So, <laughs> so we had to figure something out that would work. What's your what's your background? I'm Jewish. I was raised in a in a I guess the world would call it an ultra orthodox Jewish home. Okay. Um, so I didn't grow up with tattoos and piercings and long hair being a part of life. Um, yeah. hence the ha name, a good Jewish ha name. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> and yeah, so that's how I was raised. Um, I'm, I guess, the tie-dye sheep in the family. And um, when I was around 15, 16, I kind of left that community, although I'm still yeah. very connected to it and I still love it and I love my family and all of that stuff. I'm just different. Um, yeah. And I dropped out of high school when I was super young, like 15. Oh, wow. Um, because that was kind of all connected. Dropping out of right. the system was dropping out. Well, of did you go to a Jewish school? Yeah. So schooling for me was very different than schooling for most kids in America. Um, mm. So as a little kid, we didn't finish school at two o'clock. We finished school at five thirty because mm. we would have religious the Torah is long. Yeah. Well, we'd have <laughs> religious studies in the morning, and then yeah. we'd have the regular academic stuff in the afternoon that everybody else learned. So it was like two schools in one, essentially. Um, wow. Yeah. So it's very different than the average public school education that most kids get in their home in the afternoon to enjoy their life. Um, yeah. yeah. So I dropped out of high school when I was really young. Um, I went off to Israel for almost a year when I was 16, 17. I turned 17 in Israel and I spent not a full year there, I guess about seven or eight months there. Um, Living with family? No, family. I was officially in a school. Um, but yeah. it was like, a. a lot of this is going to sound foreign to a lot of people, but why not? I'll explain it. So it was a, a school for Jewish rebels, essentially oh, kids wow. that kids that dropped out of the system, um, were partying, were having fun, were living their good life. And, um, we were all put into one big building to try to get better, but obviously we're just going to party, <laughs> um, <laughs> do the same shit. Yeah. Yeah. So but in Israel. Yeah, so it was. I I had a great time. Um, I ended up leaving that school after a while and kind of just traveling the country and couch surfing, oh, wow. um, living in a living in a youth hostel for a while in the old city of Jerusalem, which is like a oh, whole wow. trip. It's really cool. Um, yeah, I lived yeah, in a youth yeah. hostel there for a couple of months till they kicked me out because I just overstayed my welcome. I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, and started yeah i had a great time there i partied a lot um yeah. got into drugs and alcohol a lot and when i came back to america i this is cool i never shared this whole story on my on my podcast so why not yeah i'm, I'm enjoying it yeah um, when i came back to america i was i was still 17 when i got back so yeah i started working right away 
I did all sorts. I wanted to make money. So I worked in a, I worked in a bakery, um, literally not in the front. Like I was in the back making breads, um, you know, like challah bread, challah bread. People, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so that's what I did for a bit. Um, then I worked in a bagel store um, and I became a manager of a bagel store for a while um, and did all sorts of stuff there. Um, and then after that, I, what did I do after that? I was working in a mainstream school, but with special education children. So, um, oh, it's the best. Yeah. So I was, it's called a para, a para professional. Basically okay. it means that the kids are in a mainstream classroom, but they yeah. have one-on-one -on -one me being there. Assistant. Um, yeah, I was less of an educational person officially, although it ended up becoming part of my job and I was more there yeah. for like physical help. So. I worked with a blind student for a while. I learned how to read Braille. Um, oh, cool. I don't remember how to do it at all because if you don't if you don't practice it, it goes away really yeah, quick. Yeah. It's so different. Yeah. Um, and I learned a ton from that job. It was really cool. Um, made some great friends there who I'm still friends with. And then after that, I started working in a group home for developmentally disabled adults. Um, also learned a ton of stuff from there that yeah is like apropos to life in general. Yeah. And then while I was working there, I went to Colorado when pot became legal and partied really Started hard. Farming. 20, came back, they knew exactly why I was there and they were waiting for me with the drug test when I walked back in. Um, <laughs> and they fired me. They kind of used it as their excuse to get rid of me because I didn't right. do things their way. I was very much into giving these adults options of how to live their life versus me telling them what to do. Um, Right. I believe that they should be treated as adults rather than treated as children in adult bodies and that they should right. be able to learn that there's consequences for their behavior, both good and bad. So if you eat a muffin at four in the morning, you're going to get fat and your doctor's not going to be happy with you and you should be able to work through that like any other adult, right? And they didn't like that style of how I approached <laughs> it. <laughs> um, so it was they, the drugs. It was, yeah. the, it was the drugs. Yeah, so they let me go. Um, which was the best thing that happened to me because yeah. after that I found dogs at some point oh, in cool. between that I got my own dog who was a total ass like yeah. horrible. Um, <laughs> I love him, but he wasn't a good dog. I, I messed him up. I knew nothing about dogs at all. Yeah. And I messed him up. Um, and then I decided now that I don't have a job, I'm going to just party and go to music festivals and concerts until I'm broke. So I did that and it was fantastic. And then I was broke and needed a job. And I went into this local daycare place and got a job there and been working with dogs ever since. So I started off picking up shit and walking dogs and eventually became one of the managers and a trainer. And I went to a training school here in New York City for a little bit um, and then left there and Calm Canine Training started. No, oh, wow. That's the gist of it. That's yeah. awesome, man. And it's that life experience. It's that travel. It's that, um, you know, the rebellious stuff, but also the fact that you lived and that you're not, you know, sitting there being like, uh, I wonder what a rave is like, you know, it's like, yeah, I've been there. I've done, you know, I did, yeah. I did that. Like I can, I can take the dogs for a walk now. Yeah. I'm, you know? I'm so done with it. Like, okay, I right. love, love music. When music comes back, I'll definitely be going. But it's like, yeah, absolutely. I don't need to go out and party to get it out. It's all out of my system already. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's in, it's, um, you know, it's funny. My wife is from Quebec, which is the French, the most French province in mm -hmm. Canada. And the legal drinking there age is 18, 
which means they start when they're like 14. Um, But then they, but then they, for the most part, it seems like they get it out of their system by the time they're, you know, 20, as opposed to, you know, most people that don't come down until they're 50 (laughs) or whatever. And some people never do. And and honestly, if it's not a problem, it's not a problem, you know? And that's, that's like my motto for dog training too. Like with clients, they get so, there's so many effing rules, you know? And that's the one thing that I didn't like about, or I don't like about some people's methods, honestly. But if it works for the client, it works for the client. But like, is my dog allowed on the couch? Is my dog allowed? And they, they always come, they come at you and they're like, I know I'm not supposed to do this. Like I, like, I know I'm not supposed to do this thing, but I'm like, well, you know, like with, with sleeping in the bed, I, I just lift up my ring and I go happily married. I'm not joining you. I don't care where your dog sleeps, you know? Um, as long as it's not a problem. But if you roll over and the dog's like, get out of my effing bed, it's a problem. You know, it's, it's a problem. Um, but yeah, that's, that's my whole thing. So same thing with drinking and drugs. Like I don't have a problem with people doing anything really, as long yeah. as you're being an adult about it and you're not messing up everyone's life, then it's whatever. About, it's about self-awareness with the personal stuff, the drugs and alcohol and with your dogs. It's like, you know your dog best. At the end of the day, you know your dog best. And if you're self-aware about it, and you also know what's... I believe that most owners, especially once they've worked with a trainer, they know what's best for their dog and themselves. They just want to hear it from someone else sometimes or yep. or don't want to actually face it. But if you think of... If they really would be honest about it with themselves, I think most of the time they would know what's best. Like, is it actually best for your dog to be in your bed or not? That's... And, and you can kind of figure it out, you know, and try it out and see what happens. And like, is is your dog being more of an ass during the day because he's sleeping in your bed? Then maybe switch that up. It's all on you, yeah. right? Like you, yeah. you got to have that self-awareness and that self-accountability to be able to switch things up when you see that just because it worked for your old dog or your friend's dog or whatever, that it's not working for this dog. So switch it up, right? Just like how one person can have a glass of wine and be fine. And I can have a glass of wine and quit my life and be drinking. Like it's, <laughs> yeah. it's the same idea, you know, it's, yeah. it has to be looked at in a very individual way. I think that there's so much that relates between addiction and dog training. To me, it's like everything. It's, it's the same. I wish someone would write a book. I used to say it's going to be me, but I just realized that like, definitely not at this stage of my life. There's no book writing happening. Maybe a pamphlet. I might write a pamphlet on who am I kidding? There's no pamphlets getting written. Um, it's all video, it's video or nothing. And so um, there's this correlation between like, my life is a mess and my dog is a mess. You know, like there's been a lot of times where I'm like, you're recently divorced, aren't you? And they're like, how did you know? And I'm like, the way your dog's acting, you know, like your dog's getting super protective of you because you're using it as a cry pillow. Um, and you're, you know, every, every, you know, man that you see, you're like, (laughs) you know, um, or whatever the situation, typically, typically that's the case, but it's, you know, I'm obviously swayed in my opinion, because it's like 95% of women that, that come, come to see me for training. It's, it's often the, the women I was talking about this today with someone, it's like the mom of the family has to do everything, you know? in a lot of ways and and they often don't feel supported. So that's one thing that I loved about um, Cesar Milan. I say loved like he's dead, but it's just because I don't, I don't follow him or hardly anybody on social, but like it was always about like empowerment, you know, like be a leader. But I also, at the same time, I'm like, what does that even mean? 
you know, like be a leader and take charge and do all this stuff. I think leadership only happens through experience, you know, having a bunch of positive experiences, being like, I got this, you know, and that's why basic obedience is so important with the, if I'm with the like purely positive community, the beyond purely positive community, the like, um, I don't know how to define them, but like there's some people out there that are like, obedience is bad, right? Like Like, the extremist of it. Right. Like just be with your dog and a dog is a sacred thing, which I believe they are, but um, you know, just let them do whatever they want to do. And then, and then, you know, there's always problems to that because uh, it's a relationship and like, yeah, there's things that the dog needs from me and I need from the dog. But when you have that, like your basic obedience down tight and you have it practiced, it gives you something to fall back on when the shit hits the fan. Right. Yeah. That's what I love about certain people that I follow, like David Goggins and, and some of these crazy athletic people is like, they talk about doing hard Wim Hof. They talk about doing hard things early in the day. So that way when actual hard things happen, like things outside of your control, like your tire goes flat or your wife leaves you or whatever is like, you know, I just got out of a frozen lake. Like I'll be yep. fine. You know? is, <laughs> I love Wim Hof. I did, I did about 40 days straight of dipping in the ocean this winter. Oh, good um, for you. Yeah, after getting like, I, I should be doing it still. And I totally stopped because I'm lazy and that's my personality. But yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I challenged myself for 30 days consistently every single day, no matter the weather, no matter how I feel to get into the ocean this past during the winter. I did it for about 40 days, but 30 days was my self challenge. Um, I know it's really fascinating like Like in and out or what was the no 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 staying in so i would do his breath work before do you know about wim hof have you listened to his stuff at all yeah Yeah. i think he called shower every day um so cold showers for me was harder than going in the ocean um yeah because i wasn't i I just felt like one part of my body's not getting the water while the other is and the contrast was much harder (laughs) and Um, and it's like you know you're taking the cold water and you're like yeah 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 you know? Yeah, it was so much harder. But because I started with cold showers, when I first got into it, I was like, okay, I'm going to just start easy, like 10 seconds of cold water at the end of my good hot shower, like how he says to do it. Then I was like, fuck it, I'm going all in. And I live right on the water. So I live right near the bay. So I would just drive my Jeep right up to the water, put the heat on like full blast, have like really good music playing inside and do my breath work beforehand, like 10 or 15 minutes of breath work and then go in. My max that I stayed in there was four and a half minutes um Whoa. yeah it was really really cool what i like experienced through it in yep. a in a physical way and also in a in a mental way like what it did for me was very powerful just just the fact of knowing that i can do something that most people think is impossible like there were people mm-hmm. who were legit con- it's right along the what the street where i went so people <laughs> were seriously concerned for me people would be like you got to get out of there that's dangerous what are you doing and i'm like come on in like come join me you're not gonna <laughs> die i promise you yeah so but it's it's a fascinating thing like going back to why you brought it up of setting that tone and also having that that pre-existing stress that you put yourself through to fall back on and it kind of rewires your mind like so that when the stress of life that will always come up comes up your mind goes oh i got this we we did this this morning like it's okay like i know how to work through it and it, it changes the the messaging in your brain because the I, I convinced a couple of p- 
people to come in the water with me once or twice, like some friends. And I got my dad to do it with me one time. Um, and everyone said the same thing. The initial reaction when your toe hits that like freezing water with like ice floating in it, the initial yeah. reaction is get out, right? Like your yeah. mind sending like, Panic. get out, get out, get out. It's, it's danger, right? Yeah. And if you're able to interrupt that message and be like, no, you're safe, you're okay, you're fine. That's when the change happens. That's when you could actually walk in calmly and breathe through it. And then when the actual stresses of life comes up, like a flat tire or whatever it is in life that is going to come up no matter what, your mind can go from being get away from this situation or shut down because of the situation to you got this, you're okay, you're safe. And then dog training, since it is a dog podcast, is literally the same thing of how we work dogs through stresses, you know? Yeah. It's like when people ask, how do I build my dog's confidence? Do the things that are hard for them and work them through it so that when the other shit comes up that they struggle with, their mind is going to, in a sense, go back to in the same way of like they know they can work through things. It might not be as conscious as for us, but it definitely exists there. Their brain it's not that different. It's just lower. It's just a lower. They're level. not, they're not thinking about TikTok, you know? Right. So, you know, they're not worried about that Instagram sponsorship that might come through. Um, they're just living in the moment. That's why like my favorite thing to see is after a dog gets into an argument or even sometimes a fight. And when you actually get it broken up, they shake and they just move on, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. If you, if you, if your dog struggles with anxiety, you know, I just did this uh, on my podcast Sunday or whatever was, uh, is your dog's anxiety making you anxious? And it's, you know, it's for me, it's always um, exercise, stupid amount of exercise, um, nutrition, and then just a regular obedience practice, right? Do that thing that you can fall back on uh, when you're having that. But like, I've never met an anxious dog that after running for a couple of days behind the four wheeler, because, you know, my facilities, you know, 53 acres and we go four wheeling and do all that swimming in the pond and stuff like that. And after a couple of days of that with all the pack work and stuff like no anxiety, you know, they're just, they're just fine. They're it's just like able to cope. Yeah. For a person, you know, it's, it does something that, it just does something to your mind. It releases those good endorphins and it's 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 like a natural anxiety release. But the cold does it so fast. Yeah. yeah. The cold does it faster than anything. And and there's there's no panic at the gym, you know? Right. Not as much anyway. Um, that's, that's why I loved the cold so much when I was doing it. Like I, I should get back into it before the winter's completely over here. But what yeah, I the Atlantic's so always cold, but yeah. Nah, like I'm by the beach. It gets beautiful. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so I have like the beach on one side. I'm on a peninsula. So there's the beach and then there's the bay on the other side. So it's oh. it gets nice. But like the when I would go in, I remember in the beginning thinking like, what am I supposed to think? Like, is this supposed to be meditative? Like, what am I supposed to do? And then I'm in there and I'm like, can't think of anything, right? You like, there's nothing to think about. It doesn't matter what was going on right before or what's going to happen after. It's like, just survive, just survive. Yep. And it, it's a yep. powerful thing. Yeah, I, I've, I've explained to people several times that I see the, like I, like I physically feel the blood just do this. You know, it just comes out of that frontal cortex and just gone. And it, what's really cool is, so this little dog's from Costa Rica and... Um, I'm not into jackets for dogs. 
um, not typically anyway. There was a couple of days that were like, there was a like a day that was like minus 29, which I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit. It's still cold. Cold. Uh, <laughs> cold, yeah. And and I was like, okay, you're gonna you can wear a jacket today, but to see her work through it, and I, and people were like, oh, that's so cruel. Fucking take my shirt off too. Fine, you know she's got more hair than I do, um, like six nipple hairs. That's it. It's protecting me. <laughs> the rest of me is just frozen. But you deal with it, and you know I'm not, she's not sleeping outside or anything like that. Now you know today's minus twenty, minus nineteen, and she's running around outside. She's rolling in the snow. She's fine. She's climatized, but. I want to force my dogs to do hard things, to put them in positions that they can get through to the other side. You know, have a dog bark it in their face, you know, that one dog's just going, I'm going to kill you the second this leash drops. But initially, it's super stressful for them. It was interesting to look back. I look back to some of the very first footage that I had with Rush, who was the best dog with social. We were talking about the whole pack thing before with Caesar Milan and the whole man. Those dogs, the dogs are the trainers, you know, the dog, like you get a good pack and it fixes so much. You know, it doesn't teach them obedience, but it just fix all their bullshit. The mindset stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's very powerful. That's what I loved about Caesar so much was watching that side of it because I was at the same time while I was trying to figure out life with my own dog and like to get him in order, I was also working in a daycare and then obsessively watching Caesar Milan. And Every day I would Good be combo. going into this group of dogs and being like trying to figure out like, how am I going to make sure there's no fight today? How am I going to keep them quiet yeah. today? You know? And it was, yeah. it was amazing what I learned from it. I didn't have tools. I wasn't allowed to use tools. I had a spray water bottle, which doesn't yeah. do much when you have a pack of excited, <laughs> excited, high energy dogs, you know, it gets them more. Yeah, Maybe a food. couple of super soakers some like Terminator yeah. super soakers, maybe. <laughs> Yeah. And it was, it was fascinating though, because I did at, at a certain point figure out how to actually get full control over a pack of dogs and have, but not in this controlling way, more in a like, Hey, management. let's, let's, let's chill. Let's, and it was like, you brought up the idea of like, what is leadership? I'm curious what you think of leadership when it comes to a dog human relationship. What is that? How would you describe that? I think it's like, you know, I look at them, I look at dogs as like, you bring me something, I bring you something, you know, what is that? What is like, what, what are we, what are we here to do? So like, there's times where they're going to be the leader and I'm going to be the leader. So what it is, is like my number one rule is to keep them safe. If I can't keep my dog safe, fail, you know, um, like I failed, I failed with Pipa the other night. She, uh, you know, she wasn't, technically on paper she's still not my dog she's her name is still cleo but it's pipa um <laughs> it's already done yeah it's already done and it's just a, it's just a matter of you know uh, of paperwork when she gets her dental done it's done but anyway she bolted out of the car the other night uh my mistake she was in a kennel you know the dogs are crated up and i went to take something out and she's so good in the kennel um and she was just like boom and bolt pushed her way out we're in the city which like i don't live in the city so we're in a neighborhood that i've never been to at night she's running around like a wild animal crossing main roads and and all this stuff and i'm just like i'm not being a leader you know that's not me being a leader 
um, I'm about to, I'm going to post a video of basically what happened and what not to do and what not to do simply is chase the dog. Don't chase yeah. the dog quietly calm. them. so what I did is I went, you know, I went and got the, the treats and the leash and I just try to spot her, you know, but, um, so being a leader is like being doing the basic responsible things. So, um, having name tags on your dogs, if, especially when you have a new rescue dog or, or whatever having a collar with a name tag on them, um, doing things like training them from the get-go, right? To, to have that level of communication, teaching them something. Yeah, I think it's just like improving on the relationship every day, I think is really the, is what really, is what leadership is about, right? Yeah, it's my answer. You Final think there's answer. some level of give and take to being a leader? Yeah, so like, a leader doesn't, there's a difference between a leader and a dictator, right? So a dictator is just like, you're going to do what I want, when I want, 100% of the time, and I don't consider your needs. And so like, I really thought about this, that this, this fall, because Vega, my black lab that you can't see over yeah. there, um, is a master level hunter. So she competed in a bunch of um retriever trials and and did really well and she she has her title for master master level hunter and it's like the thing that she loves more than anything and this year i more or less gave up hunting i'm just going through this like whole pre-midlife crisis where you know now that i've got kids before a flock of ducks would would fly by and geese and i would just you know vision you know pretend i'd line up and bang 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 and now i'm like Oh, family. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm, getting, I'm getting soft rust anyway. So I didn't do, I didn't go hunt duck hunting once this year. And I saw like, you know, it's the, this, you know, fall is in the air kind of thing. And, um, she missed that. I know she missed that. So I, you know, I set up the wingers and I did, I did the, the trial stuff and it wasn't quite the same. Um, so, you know, we might, I might, I might end up doing it for her, you know, also we eat the meat and we do all that stuff or right. whatever, but, um, yeah, there's ways to, to go like, okay, like Peepa is a little pit bull loves to, um, to, you know, grab and shake and, and kill things. Uh, and so, you know, there was like, we were in the city the other day and you could literally see rats running by. She had so much fun tracking rats. You know, I would clip her, clipped her on the harness and that's, part of the reason why afterwards she was just like running around yeah. the city. Yeah, like, I never got them. You didn't let me kill them. Um, but yeah, just fulfilling the dog's breed, you know, like if you have a German shepherd, maybe teach it how to tug if you, or pull or, or, or something, you know, if you have a pointer, take it to a field, teach it to be reliable off leash and let it chase some pheasants, you know? Yeah. Um, Find a way to actually like let your dog be itself. Obviously, yeah. in a healthy way, in a safe way. But yeah, so many dogs that are shouldn't. There's very few dogs that actually are bred to be couch potatoes. I don't know what they are, but I'm sure they exist. You know, like the typical companion dog, I guess. You know, but yeah. most dogs at some point, genetically, historically, had to have something to feel super fulfilled, and they don't get that. They don't get it, yeah. even from like a structured walk and running around in the park. It's not necessarily fulfilling what they want. I think that's a very important thing to find that thing that your dog actually wants to do and then doing it with them, you know? Yeah, and, and that's where it's a balance. Yeah. And, and to kind of 
play off of what you were saying a little like the it's so much easier to take direction if we think about it in a, in a human to human situation it's a lot easier to take direction from somebody that you also know is going to do things for you and going yeah. to be there yeah. for you you know nobody likes a boss bosses yeah. suck it's why everybody hates their boss right yeah but if if somebody at a workplace or in life is able to figure out how to switch from being a boss to a leader where they're there for you yeah. they listen to you and then they give you the directions that's when you like going to your job that's when you like being a part of that culture that's at your job because they're not they're they're not telling you what to do they're not controlling you they're not being a dictator like you said they're they're there for you and it's much yeah. more of a give and take relationship that you want to follow it's a whole different game then and getting a dog getting a dog to want to follow is the real magic of it all if you if somebody gets that you know it might start where it's like okay you have to listen and then when you work towards all right now you want to listen that's where it's the best for sure every relationship has some level of manipulation yeah. right there's just there's no way around it and it's once you figure out how to manipulate in a healthy way where the dog goes like hey can i have that thing as opposed to just like yeah yeah whatever you'll give me that thing whenever i want it um, I got 20 of those things, right? When you can have that balance where the dog actually goes like, Hey, look what I can do. You know, that's <laughs> a, it's a pretty special moment. But again, like your number one rule or my rule is like the number one thing that we need to do is keep our animals safe. You know, yeah. like just cause she wants to chase rats around the city. I don't just go, okay, well it fulfills her breed needs. Yeah. She's going to get hit by a car and then that car is going to drive into, you know, a school ground playground full of kids and you know be <laughs> you have mass a death. <laughs> oh yeah it's already you know it's already it's, i i gotta keep her safe i gotta keep all those babies yeah. safe so yeah that's that's the thing that's leadership for me talk to me a little bit about what your doggett style online training is i mean all i know about it is that there was this hilarious trailer that i watched at least 30 times <laughs> and showed like it to that, my yeah. friends because i think it was fantastic like the best the best dog training thing that i've seen in a long time so good, good. Assuming that what's actually in the portal is just as fun <laughs> so so the, yeah that conversion was a labor of love and you know what's amazing and and we've done a, a poor job of it but uh, there's more to come is we shot that commercial over like nine days so th there there's like six commercials worth of material right. um that has not seen the light of day which is will slowly be dripped out there's a bunch of there's a bunch of characters that are, are still need to see the light of day but yeah so the dog style program for me was the thing that I find, the thing that I hear the most that is like frustrating is I went on to Google and now I feel schizophrenic, right? Like this person said, hit my dog. This person said, if I even say no to my dog, my dog is going to hate me and think I'm cruel. There's, there's everything in, in between. And like you said, it's an, a saturated industry and everybody's writing blogs and everyone has their own opinion. And sometimes those opinions work right? Like sometimes th those techniques work. Like when you have a dog that jumps on you and you turn your back and go, ow, 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 you're hurting me. I'm sure there are dogs out there that go like, oh shit, sorry. Mm -hmm. I just haven't met one. Right. But they're not coming to you and I, <laughs> it's not necessary. Yes, they don't exist. Um, but yeah, so like there, you know, there are techniques that like, yeah, okay, sure. 
But one one thing that I find is, is ideal is if someone can listen to one voice and then develop and get some fundamental tools to go like, okay, what do I need to do? Like, I, 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 I'm not a big fan of telling people what they need to do, but trying to educate them so that they can come up with their own decisions. Like, for example, one of my things that I say is, um, if it's an unwanted behavior, any unwanted behavior, it needs to be a family decision or whoever's doing the stuff with the dogs. At that point, I go like, now, like, your husband and kids don't get a say. They're not walking them. They're not feeding them. They're not training them. They don't get to have a say. So Mom's <laughs> you, you get to, you get to, yeah, or dad or whoever's yeah. doing it, but it's typically mom. Um, there's, you know, four things that I point out of if you have an unwanted behavior, you can ignore it, you can avoid it, you can redirect it, or you can correct it. Here are the pros and cons to, to all of them. Decide, but have those four things, ignore it, avoid it, redirect it and correct it for anything jumping counter surfing barking pulling on the leash whatever right so the course is a combination of all of my experience so there's for me there's like seven elements of a dog's life so i can i combined puppyhood and uh getting a rescue in the same category even though it's even though it's divided there's you know there's over 125 videos um, yeah. because there was for me there was there, there's so many elements of, of dog ownership and if I'm going to learn about grooming um, from someone who's like never say no to your dog and that's not the philosophy that it gets confusing right so yeah. for me it's um, so I covered a lot a lot of material um and so there's a like a puppy and rescue section because the way that i raise a rescue is the same way that i raise a puppy we've got a schedule for um going out to pee you're definitely sleeping in a crate um you're going to travel in a crate you're not allowed on the furniture you're not allowed to do certain stuff um for a first while you know obviously people's on a on a couch over there i don't know if can make cameras backwards um anyway so there's a puppy rescue section. There's a whole health section, which talks about nutrition and grooming and exercise and mental health and arthritis and you name it. The health section is actually the second biggest section. There's, you know, uh, how to cut your dog's nails, how to introduce a Dremel, long-haired dog, short-haired dogs, tools. Like I went, I went so above and beyond Russ with this program. Like it's so, it's such an over deliver. It's ridiculous. And I don't expect people to sit down and watch 125 videos, but the idea is my, my thought behind it was like, how can I make like a video dictionary or like a, like an encyclopedia yeah. kind of thing of like, I want to learn about pulling on the leash. Okay. That's, you know, just type in leash and there'll be like six different videos. Like which leash do I choose? Uh, you know, options, right? I don't say you have to use this leash. I go, this is the benefits of a biothane leash. This is, you know, whatever. Here's, you know, if I had to own two leashes or three leashes, this is what they would be. The pros and cons of a flexi. Um, but all the videos are, the longest video is 14 minutes. The average video length is about nine minutes. It's just bing, bang, boom, couple of jokes, couple of Harry and Owls, and, uh, and we're out. You're on to the next one. So people are binge watching it is what it turns out to be. Um, because it, you know, starts with some sort of cheesy joke and ends with, ends with one and it's just compact. This is what you need to know. This is my take on it. This is my experience. Here's what I think. You want to know what I think about dog perks? It's in the program. You want to know 
um, how to introduce your adult dog to to your puppy that's coming home. Here's four different ways that you can do it. And you see the visual and you can just watch it over and over and over again. There's a whole uh, body language social section and I'm just adding to it. You know, again, it's it's overkill, but it's I want to. Um, yeah, I've learned so much and I, and I want to share that. And during the pandemic, the fact that, you know, a lot of people lost their jobs. A lot of people, you know, lost a lot of things, loved ones and family and stuff like that. So that's why I priced it where it is. There's some people um, out there that are upset that I, you know, that I've, um, it's only 250 everyone? bucks Canadian. What's that? You undercut everyone? Yeah, well, I, I I wouldn't say everyone, but um, you know, it's only two hundred fifty bucks Canadian, and it's not an e-collar program. Um, there's no, and I'll never put e-collar stuff in there because personally, I think that's something that it takes. There's so many circumstances with an e-collar, with an electronic training collar, to go like, you know, if that dog has a knot in its neck, right. that's a hard thing to explain and show in a video to be like, you might go to eighty before you get anything and then you're going to work at four and they're like, what? Right. Cause the it's person so puts it, puts it in that. their hand and goes to 80 and goes, fuck that, you know? Um, but it doesn't make any sense. And so like, if I can, that's why I still teach, you know, privately and via zoom and, and honestly, Russ teaching via zoom is like a game changer. Be, and if you're going to meet up with people, I, which I still do the first couple of lessons, man, it's so it, it prepares the in-person so much better because you know, as soon as you enter somebody else's house, that dog is distracted. And then if the person is just, if the dog is distracted, the person is distracted right. and you still get to teach. So they're consuming, they're hearing like 25% of what you're saying. And then equally, if the dog comes to a facility or you in a park, the second that that dog steps outside of their home or something, even walks past the window, they're distracted. And so then the person is distracted and they're not learning versus I got to get you trained up. I got to teach you how this remote works, how your dog works, how feeding, you know, 14 cups of Elpo before you go for a walk is a not the best yeah. idea, you know? So once I can get that base foundation of education down, man, oh man, what a difference. And the idea behind the online program is just like, you watch it, you apply it. My whole thing is three to five. Three to five times a day for three to five minutes. That's all it takes to have a trained dog. And it's just with chipping away at it. You know, it's like you taking 10 second showers that led you to four and a half minutes in the Atlantic, you know, right. <laughs> which, yep, absolutely. which is, which is, you know, a feat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty crazy that I did it. Now, if I were to go in, it would probably be 30 seconds again, because it's been like at least two and a half weeks since I've gone in. Yeah. I think it's really cool what you've created. It's really cool what you've created. It's, essentially it's like a one-stop shop because we all hear the same things you know every everyone who i speak to has all so many conflicted ideas because even if they're even if they're following good trainers if you're following multiple good trainers you're going to hear different ideas because we all say different things and we do things differently and we explain it differently even if it's the same concept that it's going to come out sounding like something else and it's a very very cool idea that you've taken it and like you could learn it all from me right and once somebody's comfortable with you and learning from you, then they have it all there. It's very fascinating. I think it's a I think it's a really cool idea. I was very I was excited just about the idea existing when I saw your commercial for it. I was like, this is really cool that there's a, a spot for owners to go where they can get real information that's good information. 
and it's in a good it's it's done in a good way i mean i haven't i haven't joined it but i know i know just yeah, from the copy. information that it's that it's great that it's it's a fun way to learn which is again like i said in the beginning something that's i think it's missing i mean not everybody could be fun so not everybody should be fun but if you right. have that in you and you could bring that out in your way of teaching in your way yeah. it's such an important aspect because it makes it it makes it something you want to do you know dog training should be fun at the end of the day and it's not a lot everything, of time. everything everything should be fun you know if you can yeah you know and it's like how do i make jumping into like nobody would say four and a half minutes in the atlantic sounds fun um it is but like <laughs> it is yeah hard things are fun do you know what's not fun i've never had someone be like i binge watched three seasons of whatever that was so fun you know nobody ever says that because it's not because you're not proud of it right <laughs> you know we literally get off the couch like oh, i just did that <laughs> yeah i just did that you know um it's but doing hard things is is fun and rewarding and and um yeah for for me i just i felt like and it's why i didn't release it for a long time was i still don't think it's good enough you know which is so ironic that there's um there's so much more i have to share um but at some point you got to put it out right so if you're a dog trainer out there with something you've got a book half written do your best to finish finish up a bit of it and put it out there you know yeah. you could do volume two later or whatever the thing is i will caution people that 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 um dog trainers that putting together an online course is very expensive i had no idea going into it how much money uh it would take to to run everything to do it properly you know and that was really important to me was was to have everything succinct and clear and there and easy to easy to function and and all of that stuff but yeah it's there and there's you know if if you're you know you or another trainer watching or a rescue organization i've got rescue organizations using it as an affiliate program so their fosters get the program nice. um at a at a heavily discounted rate and then they sell the program to future people coming in adopting dogs and it's seamless because the fosters are training these dogs, dog itself, which is food training, food and leash, right? right? Um, and so they have this foundation. The dogs understand, you know, this body language thing because that's what the dog's picking up on. You know, whether you're speaking, you know, Hebrew or you're speaking Portuguese, the dog understands that this means sit. And right. this means go to your bed. And this means come, you know, whatever. They can pick up on that. So... You know, I learned that years ago, I had a, a German client and the, the guy came to pick up his dog and he's like, oh, you know, whatever. And, and the dog just looked at him like, I don't know what. And I was like, oh, I need to keep this dog and train it to body language. And that made a that made a huge difference. And so that always stuck with me was like, you know, if the dog can learn and that's what they're paying attention to anyway. So it's, yeah, like but it's learning those lessons. How often will you say like accidentally say the wrong command to a dog, but they're watching what you're doing and they do what you wanted them to do anyways, right? Like, because the first, the, the most natural communication to them is the body language. Everything else yeah. is just for us, you know? Yeah. It, it's yeah. not necessary. There's no reason for for verbal cues at all besides for the fact that we need it, but it's not for the dog. Yeah. It doesn't help the dog in any way. If anything, the dog would have a much easier life if we left it all to body <laughs> language. Like it's it's natural to them. It's what they do. Yeah, get their attention, are. right? Get their attention. Hey, you. And then, yeah. right? But 
I think also in teaching, what I've realized is that there's a lot of bickering in couples between like, you're supposed to say, come, not here. And it's like, no, no, guys, just say whatever the hell you want to say. Watch this. Potato. And the dog yep. comes over and it's like, see, I, I did that in, I used to do that in puppy class. And there was this, this single mom with these three little hellion boys or beautiful little boys that were just like, you mean we can teach the dog whatever words we want? And I was like, and the mom just looks at me like, no, no, no. I'm like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> and so they, they came back later and they potato was like, go to your bed and thunderbolt was laid down and they weren't like bad words because they were they were super young boys but right. um yeah they had a blast with it i'm like yeah great thunderbolt it is you know yeah, <laughs> yeah i remember a while uh, ago a while ago i had a friend over and he never understood like what i did with my life till he was actually like hanging out <laughs> right and he's and he was like asking me all these questions about like the words i use he's not a dog person he doesn't have dogs right. grow up with dogs so it's like okay yeah. you're a dog trainer like what what does that mean right what the hell and he was asking me all these questions he was very interested because he was seeing how my dogs were responding to me like really well and i had a couple of boarding dogs here and like he was watching the whole interactions and like experiencing it rather than me trying to explain it and i remember him asking me and it sounds like it's a childish question but like for somebody who doesn't get it, he's like but how do they understand the words right like how do yeah. they understand yeah. And I was thinking about it, and I was like, they don't. Like, I can train a whole, I was saying, like, as, as a stupid idea, but that I should take a dog and train it all of its commands backwards, right? Sit means yeah. down, and down means sit, and up means off, and everything backwards just to show how meaningless it actually is to the dog yeah. so that people can get it. You have that visual. Mm. Because a lot of people come with this preconceived notion that dogs understand certain things. They don't consciously say that, but they believe it. You know, yeah. and then they try to do it and the dog doesn't respond because the dog didn't get the manual that it's supposed to know what come means. And <laughs> and and it's like, no, you yeah. gotta match it up to a language that the dog understands. That's the part that's yeah. missing. That's that's a big part of I think a dog trainer's job is to teach owners how to translate what they want to the dog's language so that they could actually be on yeah. the same page. Yeah. That's one thing that if you speak another language or or not, you can make up words but it does make it easy when you do fluently speak another language to be like to the person I'll just I'll just be like okay toca la pared and they're like toca la pared toca la pared toca la pared toca la pared and then I'll take their hand pre covid well here there's like no covid so still take their <laughs> hand um and I'll like I'll take their hand and I'll start to squeeze their hand I'll go toca la pared toca la pared and they're like they don't, they don't get it because they don't speak Spanish. And then I'll take out 20 bucks and I'll, and I'll start to lure them and I'll put it on the wall and then I'll give them the 20 bucks. And, and then eventually I get them touching the wall and I'm broke at this point. <laughs> um, I would use, I would use fake bills, but um, they, and they didn't know that, but um, <laughs> until they went to the Seven Eleven later, but they they would touch the wall and I'd go boom and I'd start paying them and then I'd go toca la pared and they'd go hey touch the wall right yep. and so you know that was kind of the when people didn't understand why using positive first works really well and then once I started doing some of that and we had a little bit of a relationship then I could take them by the hand and be like siéntate and guide them over to the chair and with the money and 
the pressure from a hand or poke them onto a leash or whatever and show them like the balance, right? When you, the fun little things to do when you have time um, with people to be like, yeah. you didn't get the words, but you learned the word very quickly, but it could have been chitty, chitty, bang, bang, you know, means touch the wall or do a backflip or give me a kiss, you know, whatever, right? It's just whatever word. So you can, you, yes, you can teach your dog commands, um, but how stressful was that when I was screaming "toca la pared" in your face? You know, yep. it was wasn't fun, was it? Yeah. Well, your your dog feels the same way. Like, stop screaming at your dog. So, and at that yeah, point, communication is key. You with with that, like they can just go home and train their dog. Really, you've given them all the, all the information they need through an experience. That's that's really cool. I like that a lot. I like the whole idea of it a lot. I might use it. <laughs> it's really cool. cool. Um, what do you tricks. love most about what you do? The people, yeah. The people, yeah. People always ask, um, you know, what's <laughs> that question? Or like, you know, initially it was like, what makes you different than Caesar Milan? Was like, I've never really done it for the dogs. Like, some people are gonna be like, what the? Um, it's it's true. Like, I've always my plan was RCMP followed by teacher. You know, I went to university, and the plan was to become a teacher when I lived in. Um, but you know, when I lived in South America specifically, I did a little bit, I guess, when I was in Europe unintentionally, but it was, I took a teaching English as a second language course, um, when I was in Ottawa before going to South America and I was, I was teaching like I'm a teacher. Yeah, I love to teach. Um, but I don't particularly love to teach dogs. Like I, I have fun. My favorite thing is to mess around with dogs, like go for wheeling, go swim in the ocean, like to be that kid, to, to be a dog fun. and do what the dogs do to have fun, you know? I um <laughs> I was I was listening to music and training a mastiff today and before I knew it I was like you know not actually riding her but on her back being like yeah come on girl and she's like biting at me and you know I like doing that stuff but teaching her place and whatever that that shit bores bores me to death but it's it's the same as anything you do the same thing so many times um it's not that fun teaching someone how to get their dog to place isn't that great it's the conversation along the way it's the challenge of communicating to someone, hey, this is why this matters or this is why this doesn't matter. Like, uh, I'll never forget a couple of weeks ago or a couple of months ago now, I had this client whose uh, golden retriever was being an ass and like pinning other dogs and stuff. And they're like, why, why does it matter that my dog will do a sit stay or a down stay or a place or like, what does this have to do with that? I'm like, it's a communication thing. It's yeah. a control thing, right? It's that like, you need to be able to assert that level of control of your dog beforehand because he's just out of control right now. He's just doing whatever the hell he wants, whenever he wants to. And I used to be that guy. I used to be that golden retriever jumping on people and doing all that, thinking it was hilarious. Um, and it's, it's not, it's not that hilarious, you know? Uh, so like get some control and then you'll, you'll see a big difference. And, and they got it after time, but like, just those experiences, but also just the people along the way, you know, the people yeah. that you meet and sharing that, sharing that experience with them. And then obviously goofing off with dogs. Like we used to do um, dog camp, the guy that worked for me, we would just like turn off our cell phones for a week and just hike with a pack of like, I think the most we ever have is 28 dogs. And we're That's like amazing. in the woods, like deep <clears throat> in the woods. Um, and one year we had two four wheelers and we just like were gone the whole day and uh with 20 some dogs and just goofing off and you know trying to find this elusive waterfall that we still never found for four years and 
eight dog camps later or whatever. But yeah, so it's, <clears throat> it's been, it's been great, you know, helping people. And also those moments where people are like, you saved my marriage or like, that saved my dog's life or whatever. There's obviously those glorious moments too, but um, yeah. yeah, it's just, it's, it's a fun way to, to learn. And again, it's one of those careers that there's no end in the learning. If you, if you want there not to be, there's been quite a few times where I've burnt out doing the same thing, but like you can learn about detection and tracking and sports and rehab and pack dynamics and grooming and body language and behavior. And it just, it never ends. It never ends, you know? And then you find that one dog, like, you know, dog training is dog training for the most part when you learn the positive and the negative and the balance and about a lot of the tools, but it's then figuring out the puzzle of some dogs, but it's, it's like, okay, what, what else can this dog do? What else can this person, does this person need to learn? And then just figuring out your own way along the way of like, what is it that this person wants? I think that was hard for me to learn. took a long time being in kind of a cookie cutter mold of like, this person doesn't give a shit about this. They just need to have their dog not do X, Y, and Z. And then they want to be able to trust and enjoy their dog more. You know, yeah. so not making it about like, this is my plan for you, but really learning to ask the people and learning about the people and learning how to, um, how to help them the best. I really love that your response was the people, even though a lot of people are gonna be like, well, he doesn't like the dogs. It's like, no, I get it because I hate dogs. <laughs> I hate dogs. I wanted to train cats, but my last name was Doggett. So you were just, you were just forced yeah. into it. <laughs> Yeah. You know, there's such there's the most common thing that people hear is I want to work with dogs because I hate people. You know, like you hear it all the time. And and I those guys don't I, make it, do they? Right. And when I started working in the daycare that I worked at, I had some of that. I was like, this is great. I don't ever have to be around people. And then I was like, fuck, I miss being around people. And <laughs> and like I wasn't a very I'm still not a very socially bubbly person. It's not my personality, yeah. but. Yeah what I started to, to develop my people skills more was when I started to enjoy dog training more and get more out mm -hmm. of it and ultimately get better at it really, because these dogs are all owned by people. You know, we're not training feral dogs. We're not training dogs that are working dogs. They all go home to people and you're not going to ever be successful if you can't connect with people on a personal level that they, that they relate to, to make it real for them. And, and it's probably the most rewarding aspect of it when it comes down to it, like, yeah, it can be super rewarding to save a dog's life, to get a dog off of medication to, you know, all those things that come along with like the, the good cases, but it's even more rewarding knowing like that the owner is now happy and the owner's enjoying their life and the husband's not in the hospital from dog bites anymore. And all of that stuff that yeah. comes up, it's like, that's, that's the really special stuff that if you stay in the state of mind of, I love dogs. I hate people. You're never going to get to experience that next level that comes along with it. It's a beautiful thing. So I was, I'm happy that you said that answer to it. I relate to it a lot. It's an important aspect of it all. I think there's a, there's a place for those trainers that are just like, fuck people. Yeah. Um, cause, cause you know, that's okay. Fair enough. You hate people. You've been, you know, you've had a rough life or, or whatever. Um, typically that's the case, but is like, okay, then work with someone that can be the face. Right. Either don't own your own company because you're jading a lot of people or, um, you know, own your own company and have someone else be the face 
of that company, whether you own it or not, you know, like, I think there's definitely a role for those people to just train board and trains, you know, to just spend their time with the dogs or work at a daycare or whatever. But the people need the information, you know, like you, you can, I've seen dogs very well trained with a board and train, um, like, you know, doing place at 300 yards and followed by a backflip and then they fetch a beer, like, like very well trained. And then the information just went nowhere, you know? Yeah. Um, and I've had, I've, I've experienced that myself. Like I didn't like, like I'm talking about myself too, minus the, minus the backflip and fetch a beer. Um, but you know, like training the dog really, really well. And then like the dog just fails and that's not always on me, but there's been plenty of times where it was on me where I was just like, I didn't put the people first. Cause I was like, you know what? You've already paid me and you didn't pay me enough. And I've already talked to you enough and I'm not going to help you. Um, that was very a long time ago, old Evan. Um, but you know, we all get self entitled by times and, and, and whatnot. And then there's sometimes where people are just take advantage of people are going to be people. Right. But I think the better your communication is the less I, I love all of my clients now, all of them. And I was talking to somebody the other day um, who we both know, and he was complaining about his clients. And I went, you're going to take responsibility for this. And he's like, no, but it's a person. I'm like, it's not. It's not the person. And the only reason I could say that is because my wife says that every day when I'm like, this friggin' happened, whatever. And she's like, and how is that your fault? And I'm like, it's not my fault. Were you not listening to the story? <laughs> you missed like, the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. And Let's she's explain like, to you how it's their fault. Yeah. And it's often about the kids or whatever. You yeah. know, this guy cut me off. And she's like, yeah, but like, how can you take responsibility for that? I'm just like, ah. yeah, that's, <laughs> I can jump out the window. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a really important thing. Especially when it comes to clients, that's key. It's like at the end of the day, you allow them to hire you. If you want to boil it down just to that, right? Like yeah. you you could say no. I mean, unless unless you're in like in that very desperate stage for clients. And even then, you still got to take responsibility because you still could say no, right? And yeah. it, it's an important one because you you don't want to become that old jaded dog trainer you know yeah that that resents the whole world and thinks that all dog owners suck and it's like no they don't all suck you might just suck and you got to figure out a way to suck less you know yeah you're both having a bad day but again it comes back to that cold shower it comes back to that jumping in the ocean it's like if you do that in the morning no matter how hungover you wake up no matter how much your life sucks that day if you blast yourself with cold water, you're going to get out going like, I can do this, you know, in yeah. a good positive. That's been my experience. Anyway. And I've never met anybody that, that did the whole Wim Hof, W-I-M-H-O-F, anybody that did the Wim Hof method that, uh, that didn't have the same experience. You know, you're over oxidated, you've dumped a ton of adrenaline um, and you have all that blood now out of your frontal cortex around yeah. your organs it, it makes it what you think. huge, like the clarity. Difference. You can handle stress. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. So I think, yeah, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Just like light and yeah. invigorated. But I think that's the part where the, some of the lessons that I've learned um, have been like in communication with clients is like you're, you're. It's especially if you're a new trainer, it's not gonna not going to be great all the time because you're not communicating properly 
right? And that only comes through the experience of like, okay, I got to communicate this and I got to communicate that and I got to communicate that. That was one thing about my last mentorship that was always so good. Duke always said like, call them, pick up, don't, do not send an email, pick up the phone, you know, maybe address and say, great, let's, let's chat. Uh, but if you don't have that mentorship of someone saying, you know, I had two people in my life that were one person would say, do the hard thing. And the other person would say, do the easy thing. And anytime I chose the easy thing, like give them their money back or whatever was, it always backfired. Yeah. Always backfired, but having the conversations and then learning and then learning in the future. Like I had someone show up on my house at like 10 o'clock at night and they're like, where's my dog? It was there for a board and train. I'm like, uh, sleeping <laughs> what right here right, right here and they're like well you didn't post any pictures today about my dog like where is he like i want to make sure he's alive and i'm like okay so now to prevent that i tell everyone you i remind people because i've had some people send me you know their dogs for a board and train just to get their dog you know local facebook famous yeah. like um which is mind-boggling but um yeah, now I tell people, friendly reminder, I tell this to everyone, your dog, you're paying me to train your dog not to post about them on social media. You yeah. know, I'll do both and you can text me and call me, but don't just show up at my house. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, Why the hell would I do that? And I'm like, because people go crazy. Right. And I need to prevent that because I go to bed at 930. You know? <laughs> and, and that experience taught you to set that boundary though, right? Otherwise you would have. Yeah, never right. Heard. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But learning from that mistake and then actually doing it, you know, having a really good contract. Um, I had a dog go four wheeling with me um, and then ran over to me screaming and dropped dead. Like, boom, fell over, dropped dead. Um, and the dog had a pre-existing condition where basically he, when he was a puppy, he got an infection. It went to his heart. And so he had a yeah, tear in his heart, basically conveniently the people you know but i didn't have that in my contract but the people had um you know they were farmers and they went four wheeling with the dog every day it was just this was the time right. the vet explained but like doing an autopsy even though the 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 owners were like no you don't have to you gotta cover your ass you know like you got you got a family or even yourself like it's your word against theirs they were wonderful you know um you know regardless of the fact that their dog just died but shit happens you know you gotta have a good con you know caesar milan's advice have a really good contract don't take people for their word you know have supportive people around you that believe in you whether that's staff or or your parents maybe you gotta stop talking to your parents you know <laughs> for a while anyway there's a lot of that a lot of life lessons to to be learned when you're when you're the one that has to teach responsibility and leadership and all that stuff i think that's why a lot of dog trainers, it seems like anyway, are really into self-development. Yep. Um, really about, you know, learning and bettering because it's it's that sharing stuff. Like I tell all my clients about Wim Hof, all of them, because um, it's it's a life-changing thing. And you know, some of them some of them do it. I've got one uh, pretty famous musician client that was like sent me a sent me a message. He's like, twenty minutes, twenty or twenty seconds of the culture, twenty seconds. That's yeah, awesome. he was pretty. He was pretty jazzed. Yeah, so there's like, life changing things that we can share. Dog training and and personal development <clears throat> just go hand in hand, whether you like it or not. If you really want to do it properly, it's gonna go hand in hand. You know, dogs read through shit. 
you can punish a dog on an e-collar and they're going to still be like, well, fuck you. You're not serious. You know, like it's not all just physical. They know what's going on. They, they read through everything. Yeah. And if you can't yeah. build yourself up into somebody that's believable and yeah. confidence and, and that trustworthy and all of the skills that come along with being a proper leader to anybody, but especially to a dog, they'll read through it right away. It's so much easier to fake to a person than it is to a dog, you know? Like they're yeah. they're keen on everything because they're reading it all way before they're they're reading you way before they're reading what tools you're using and what reward you're using and all of that stuff. They've already got you all summed up. So if you, when you yeah. walk in there, if you don't have something to offer that's important that has that energy to it. I have a new puppy here, so if you hear whining, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> But if you don't have that, then the dogs are going to read through it. And and besides for like the being a business owner, which most dog trainers own their businesses, you got to have some personal development. But it's it's for the dogs. It goes so in, it, and then it's for the interactions with the people. And then like ultimately it turns around where it's like this is all for yourself and it's awesome and it creates this beautiful cycle. But I think it has to go hand in hand. And I, I've seen like all the successful trainers that I've spoken to and gotten to know over the past couple of years and you know i've spoken to a lot of trainers and network they're all the ones that i align with and see as successful people all have that as part of their life in one way or another whether it's gym time or wim hof or reading a ton of books or writing or whatever it is to work on their personal development it has to be there to be good at this craft i think it's I think it's like an innate part of it that people who want to be good at it end up just being drawn towards it because you you know it's there. It has to be done. Dogs will read yeah. through your bullshit before anything else. Yeah, before you see it yourself sometimes. Yeah, yep. It's the beautiful thing. I always say that, so my Marley, my first dog, my wild child, <laughs> he was yeah. he was super reactive. And when I look back yeah. on it, well, so was I. Like I was yeah. a reactive person then. I didn't react the same way as them. I didn't lash out, but... I went and got high or got drunk instead of dealing with shit. And like, I was just very reactive and impulsive. So why should he have impulse control if his leader had zero impulse control either? Like, we're just doing our thing together, being psychos. Yeah. And like, once like we both started to get our shit together, yeah, there was training involved, but I also yeah. worked on myself, which in turn made it easier to work on him. And it, I, I just think that it correlates in such a strong way. I've, I've seen it at least in my life. Yeah, yeah, it's it was the hardest lesson that that I ever learned from from Caesar Milan. I asked him. I I stood up and asked the question. And I was like, I literally had this dog pull me from the hotel on my skateboard. That's a six mile run, um, and he pulled me the whole way. And look at him, jacked. What you know, like, how do I fix that? And he went like, You seem pretty jacked yourself. And I was like because my dog's jacked and he's like no that's that's not why and uh yeah it was you know he's like when you when you learn to be calm your dog will be calm and i was yeah. like i need the i need the answers um and and that's the part that was took a took 10 years almost to learn and is a great valuable lesson and that's the part that is a is it's a great answer. It's the real deepest answer you can get, but it's, but when someone's like, okay, well, I'm going to have to euthanize the dog then, or I'm going to have to bring the dog back to the shelter then because like he's destroying my apartment and whatever. Um, I think that's the part where like people need more practical tips than yeah. just like be a calm, assertive leader. Um, it's like, that's great, but I need actionable steps 
um, which there are actionable that's steps where obedient, to become a assertive leader, leader. But that's where, yeah, just the basic obedience of like, put a prong collar on the dog and go for a walk and don't let them, you know, freak out at the neighbors or whether that's a halty or a gentle leader or, you know, do five minutes of food training every day just to get some of that more instead of just, you know, watching Netflix and partying or, you know, whatever. Yeah. So there's those, there's those actionable steps. And that's where, uh, that's also why in the seven elements dog and style course, I included a you section. So there's six elements about the dog and then there's one whole you section. So that talks about Wim Hof. It talks about um, what is leadership? What is, you know, what it means to ignore your dog in a healthy way. And, you know, a few different videos that way you'll get it. We'll, we'll, we'll talk again once you're, once you're dog style educated. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Here's my question. I like to ask every trainer that I talk to, hopefully you don't know yep. it, but you might, if you listen to any of these, you've heard it. <laughs> What's the one thing that if every dog owner was listening to Evan Doggett talking right now that you'd want them all to know? Dog owners, not trainers. Um, the secret of dog training. It's the episode number one of my podcast, and it's the first thing that you see in the online program. The secret to dog training is if you want your dog to be good at anything, anything, make it the only way they eat. So if you want your dog to be really good at coming when call, called, it's the only way they eat. They don't need any other way. Come, here's some food. Come, here's some food. Come, here's some food. Come, here's some food. You want your dog to be really good at walking on leash. It's the only, when they're in the heel position, it's the only way they eat. Now, it's not the end all be all and solve absolutely everything. But I would say that like you can achieve a lot. If your dog is terrified of men with mustaches and sombreros, go to Mexico and make that the only way your dog eats is from or men with mustaches and sombreros. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, it's powerful. That's no, I, I would say that 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 would be that would be the one thing. And you know, the other and then the other thing, because there's yeah. never just one answer, is um, learn about nutrition. Nutrition is everything. There's a lot of a lot of things that you can learn to prevent cancers. And even if your dog, um, and even if you're doing all the things, cancers in all of us. But there's a lot of nutritional um, things that you can do to postpone or or block uh, cancer and and all that other shit from from happening. Behavioral issues, all that stuff by just creating a little natural multivitamin for your dog, you know, you're probably throwing away a lot of it in the compost every day that your dog could be having, which will really help behaviorally and longevity and shedding 50% less and all that stuff. There's a ton that we can learn nutritionally as well. Do you have any recommendations for owners of books or sources that they can go to learn more about nutrition? Because I feel like that's such a hard one for people because of how much the, how much misinformation is out there about what's good for dogs health wise. Yeah, um, I would say probably the the first place that I would send anyone is to Facebook and go to Planet Paws, Planet like the place you live, and Paws like what's on your dog's foot, um, Planet Paws, and that's like the number one pet food blogger in the world, Rodney Habib, and then Dr. Karen Becker is on there. He's a a hometown kid um, mm -hmm. he's from Nova Scotia, and uh, they have great information. It's it's a lot of really good information they also have a paid group it's like 10 bucks a month um and you can ask questions and, and things like that that's where i typically send people initially 
and then raw feeding one-on-one with uh scott j marshall yep. the second uh scott's great he's got a bunch of he's got books and audio books and programs kim gotier's book is pretty good but yeah planet pods raw feeding one-on-one probably the easiest places to go and then i would say like do your best to not get overwhelmed like i still buy time some like yeah. anxiety around raw feeding and all that stuff and then i just go like just do your best and move on you know yeah, do, had, your, do, a, do a little bit better every day i had peter on here peter cincarelli yeah. for people who don't yeah. know you guys should all yeah. get to know him he's a great dude um so i had him on here and he was saying similar things like yeah there's a ton of information and ton of things but at the same time don't get yourself crazy over it because just the fact that you're feeding your dog a basic raw diet if you're doing that is a lot better than what the average dog in north america is eating you know and then in itself it's like yeah there's always more you can do there's always more you can learn and supplements and all these natural vitamins and things that you could add in but if you understand the basics of raw feeding and you're sticking to that like that in itself is amazingly better than is amazingly better. Yeah, that, I think that makes sense. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. Right. Then what? The yeah, but even it, but but to even step it back a notch because understanding the basics of raw feeding is complicated. So if you even feed kibble, but then add in uh, you you chop up or blend up um, some spinach, some broccoli, some sardines, mm -hmm. and an egg every day. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. You know you have. Some leftover red pepper you give that to the dog amazing little bit of fresh every day take out 20 percent of the dog's uh dog food and add in 20 percent fresh purdue university um did studies upwards of 93 percent reduction in cancer rate so you don't have to be i still feed my dogs dog food sometimes for sure for training absolutely okay. they're eating dog food um and treats and and all that stuff but that's the part where like I'll, you know, like I'm a, I'm, I'm a surfer. I, I eat pretty clean. I, you know, I don't drink, I don't do drugs and, and whatever anymore. I don't smoke anymore. Um, but I still eat McDonald's once in a while, you know, like don't, I, I think it's the upset, the stress and the obsession of doing things perfectly. That is more carcinogenic than actually eating McDonald's yeah, <laughs> once absolutely. in a while or eating, you know, so that's that stress or that lack of stress goes a long way. So 20%, but you can learn that on planet pause. They got a great, they've got a great video um, yeah. and, and sheets. And is really awesome. I've watched a lot of his yeah. stuff and read a lot of his blogs. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great guy. All right, man, let's, let's wrap it up. We've been on for a little, almost an hour and 40 minutes. Let's wrap it up. Yeah. Tell everyone how they can find you, where you are, all that stuff. Social media. Doggetstyle.com um just type in dog it style there's only one there's, you have, there's you, only you have one a podcast too is that also dog it style yeah okay. dog it style just dog it style anywhere podcast online program website the facebook page i'm uh, getting more active on instagram and tiktok and just trying to be everywhere tiktok is fun <laughs> yeah i've been having fun yeah. on tiktok <laughs> all right nice. i appreciate you coming on man this is a lot of fun yeah, man, it's been great you i appreciate you you're doing awesome stuff i look up to you thanks man We'll I appreciate everyone again. too, and who's listening, wherever you guys are listening. Um, I appreciate you all. I appreciate all the listeners in the community that's built around this. It's really fucking awesome. And I love you all because a podcast with no one listening would still be cool to talk to Evan, but it's nice to know that <laughs> you're enjoying it. So I appreciate all you guys. And for all of you who tuned in live, I appreciate you as well. Love you all. Awesome. And stay kind. Awesome. Much your love. Bye, guys. Bye.